Alright, hi guys! Welcome back! You're listening to Brainstorm. This is a podcast where we tell you to throw your erasers away. Because we're going to lead you through the wilderness of art making. And you're not allowed to erase. So I am Garu Casal. I am a illustrator, an artist, and a caffeine addict. This is my co-host Garrett Lai. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Garrett. I am a comic artist, illustrator, and bicon, bisexual icon. And um, today we are going to continue our Black Creative Voices series. So, Kato, can you tell us what that topic is all about? Yes, absolutely. So last time we kind of talked about navigating things through social disruption. This time we're going to focus on how artists can help themselves take care of themselves, and continue creating in the best interest of the Black community. Yes, indeed. So um, today we have Seattle-based author, artist, and entrepreneur, Barry Johnson. Um, We're super excited to talk to him today about his perspective and about all of his projects. Barry, a couple things going on for you right now. Is there anything I missed in the Rolodex that is you? No, that's it. I mean, I just keep it simple with just like creative. That's it. It's always weird hearing back a lot of the things that I've like done. And I don't mean that in like a, oh, I'm so cool. I mean, like genuinely, like I still suffer from real social anxieties around that. Mm -hmm. Because realistically, I'm just like doing everything I can to create and uplift us and really develop narratives so I really don't spend a lot of time thinking about a lot of the things I've really been able to do because there's just so much more to do you know what I mean definitely yeah yeah You're, it's like why dwell when there's like oh there's this new thing there's that new thing there's that new thing it's like being a little kid and like oh that's shiny that's cool that's awesome yeah, yeah. and there's there's so much more to do so I know you did a TED talk last year at the start of the year um, can you tell us a little bit about that yeah super dope one of the things in my life that I said that I really wanted to be able to do um, while I was here is be able to do a TED Talk. And it's like, I'm not cool. Like people are coming to check the shit out that I'm doing. So what do I make it up about? So I essentially just modeled it after like this whole idea of being like the jack of all trades and the master of nothing or like the whole fake it till you make it, which is an idea that I really, really, really embrace done the right way. Not like just being like, buddy off like catch me if you can but actually i think that there's like a nugget there because did you ever watch the movie catch me if you can i don't think so no i didn't so yeah so it was i don't remember the the gentleman's name but it was about this person that essentially just went through life just continuing to con people and they were the greatest of greatest cons at it and there was a movie about it and i believe it was tom hanks and leonardo dicaprio that starred in it and the reason why i just like brought up catch me if you can is because like during the movie, at one point, Leonardo DiCaprio, which was playing the person that was this con artist, went on to become a practicing lawyer. I can't remember the state, um, but he went to be a, a practicing lawyer, like past the bar. And Tom Hanks was following him everywhere he goes, trying to catch him, of course, like as the name of the movie is. And once he finally caught him, he was like, hey, tell me, how the fuck did you do it? How did you get admitted into law? And he looked at him, he's like, I took the test and I passed. It's like, literally was like, yo, like these are the things that I am saying that I want to do. So I'm going to put all effort to it and be able to become it. So Definitely. that's what I did. You know, just being a kid, I was like, hey, like I like 
movies. So I really enjoyed Batman. So I started to think about like, you know, I'm just a little, you know, black boy from Kansas. We have no money. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool if I like had a mansion. We all think about stuff like that. At the time, I cared about those types of things. And then I started looking at all the shit that like Batman it did. And I was like, cool, like I'm gonna be like the black Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? And then I was doing like bodybuilding. Then when it came to entrepreneurialism and art, like, but all these things, I really just looked at my heroes in that space. And then emulated them to a degree while not copying, but emulated them to a degree and just kind of developed these different versions of myself. And I think it's very important for people to do that. Like you, if, if you are the same person, right. And I know some people may pride themselves on that, but that's just not my vibe. If you're like the same person you were 10 years ago, I'm like, what's the point? Where's the growth? Yeah, what are you doing? Like what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what the fuck is going on? So I continually try to create newer versions of myself to find out you know getting some interesting shit and figure out what i can do because whenever i start something anew it's like i'm at ground zero again so i gotta start the whole learning process and i love the process like that's my favorite thing in the world is the process i'm addicted to it so that's why i love to continue to change things up yeah you talked a lot about or i guess you know, I watched the talk. It was amazing. It was super inspiring and super thought provoking because you use the term personas and you were talking uh -huh. about how you took on different personas throughout different points in your life because you needed those personas at the moment. So can you go more into how exactly you constructed those personas and how it almost felt? Did it feel weird, like stepping into a different role or did it feel natural? Did you kind of fake it till you made it or what? what's the deal? Exactly. The latter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anytime that I'm trying to develop something new in life, like, I'll, you know, we're right here and I'm an artist, um, have no formal training in art. We're all born artists, right? Like we can all be able to make cool stuff, be it like drawing, painting, acting, whatever it is. Like there's so many different mediums there. But I literally was like, this is something that I want to do and something that I felt that I was capable of. So it's like full immersion. I'm looking how like, all the greatest artworks ever made or what was said to be the greatest artworks, like looking at what was said to be the masters and how they started developing work, started looking at the attitudes, like who did what in the space, like, and then I started to look at like who hadn't did anything and was like, okay, I know what I want to do. And I've kind of collected all this information. Now it's time to develop my own personal style within it mm -hmm. and start finding doors to kick the fuck down. Like the, <laughs> The, the whole idea of like, hey, you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. Like, you're not supposed to use that material. So I started doing things like painting with house paint, which people always look at and they're like, why are you using house paint? Like, we use acrylics or oils. And I was like, no, I like to work with a different medium. I started creating artworks that are made out of like iron oxide particles, mm -hmm. glass, uh, started throwing like tile on top of paintings, like making 10 and 15 pounds paintings, doing everything that wasn't traditionally supposed to be done. Yeah. And just finding a way to continue to try to force myself to think up something that hasn't been seen. Because I think it's like one point to say, okay, I want to try something new out. So I need to kind of strip all the my old self. Like if I'm going to be an artist, I got to get rid of everything that an entrepreneur was because that entrepreneur may be a little bit more braggadocious because, you know, you might have to have like a lot more enthusiasm and energy to walk into a room and ask people for money for your business. Whereas like I'm trying to 
externalize my internal monologue. I'm literally taking my thoughts, things that are inside of my head and trying to reconstruct those on canvas. So that's a very quiet, meditative, meticulous process. So I had to literally take everything that I was before, strip it down and make up something new, which I absolutely love because when you're doing that, you are able to learn so much more about yourself that you may have not realized was uh, initially there. Definitely. That's a beautiful definition of, of what being an artist is too. Yeah. So, so two things. One is, I just wanted to ask you, do you believe that we have a fixed identity or do you feel that identity is fluid, that personality is fluid, that, I mean, I know, unfortunately, we didn't get to record earlier, but, you know, we, we were talking, we were shooting the shit about horoscopes and how, you know, technically we're, we're a month ahead or a month behind or something like that. And I just wanted to ask you, do you believe that identities are fixed things? And is it wrong to have a fixed identity? Right. So before I dive into that, think through this. So we all, you, you heard the notion of time being linear. You know what I mean? I think it's really interesting because I, myself, and I imagine many other people have lost this notion of time during this pandemic, right? Because like the thing that society always told you to do, you know, that this is what you're supposed to be. Like you grew up in this area. This is what's supposed to be your gender assignment. This is the people you're supposed to love. This is the deity that you're supposed to worship. Like once you mix shit up and then realize that like, I don't really think that's how it's supposed to go. Like I literally now like will have to live by calendar appointments because it is so easy for me to just stare at a wall and be like, oh shit, like what just happened? Like an hour could have passed, but that hour to me, is such a fulfilling thing because I'm now in a space where I'm just able to just let my brain work in a way that it hasn't previously. So to say that we would like, literally there is no assigned identity because take a child and then just like without giving instruction on what they're supposed to do and knows nothing about conformity knows nothing about these assignments at all. Like, you know, I, I remember this one time, I didn't want to be this person, but I, I had to be this person in this moment. I was a part of a group that was doing a residency here in Seattle that was about gentrification. And while we're in there, I'm the only black person as a part of this group. There's 20 artists in there. It doesn't really matter that I'm the only black person. I only say that, I only say that because I'm going to tell you a story about it. So one of the women that had like been a part of the group, um, they identify as a woman, had been a part of the group was telling a story like how she had lived like on I think it's Bellevue area like you know of course like it said that people over there have a little bit more money Mm -hmm. and she recently had to relocate because she had got priced out and now she lives in an area that's like more populated as the central district by black and brown people so that was a culture change for her but for everyone that was there probably not because that's just it is what it is so she told me a story told us a story about like how she was at a park one day and while she was at a park with her kid she was like you know something really beautiful happened. I was at the park with my kid and this kids that's black and brown and all colors were just all playing together. And we really got to get our shit together. And I like, everyone had this like real emotional moment. And I stopped and was like, you never let your kids play with black or brown kids. And you're surprised at the fact that they all just got along. Yeah. Like, as like, like I think surprising that, notion. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, so to the whole point about that, like these kids saw, Hey, you have a ball or you are about the same age as me. 
I don't care about any fucking thing that you have going on. Let's play. Yeah. Like all this, all that, that assignment, that's all shit that like gets instilled in us that is really something that I spend so much of my life like rebelling against because I think that's just yeah. not, that just shouldn't be it. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm a parent. I have a seven-year-old that's like finding, and it's a very delicate way to navigate that space because I ended up and had a bunch of shit that got instilled in me because I'm from Kansas. We were very, 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 very tightly wrapped in the Bible belt, Mm -hmm. you know, and like everything out here is different than what it is out there. So it's like it's a very fine line to walk. But like that's what we chose and what we want to do the right way. So it's all really forced on us and it shouldn't be. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, you share. uh, I wrote down, you know, that you share the same mindset as me, that people are more like than they are different. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think someone um, I don't know, someone that I think you would enjoy that I think does uh, approaches things similarly in the sense of like, you know, we don't have assigned roles, you know, we can really do anything that we want. Um, I love music. And like you mentioned Lady Gaga in your talk, which everyone on this Mm -hmm. podcast knows is just like, you know, my ultimate, but I, I think that you would also, um, really enjoy MIA. There are some stories. Mm. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) He's like, no, yeah, I know. she uh, <laughs> but she talks about how she got into like the best art school in England after being uh, a refugee from Sri Lanka. And she's like, yeah, I just called the dean basically every day at 137 because uh, that's the time that I figured he was just about to bite into a sandwich and uh, was just, uh, you know, gave him my pitch and, you know, told him who I was as an artist. And she's like, and one day I turned up in person, he, he like answered the phone and asked me over there and uh, (laughs) I just brought like me and like some of my artwork and she was turned down essentially that she couldn't go to that school so in the office she was like okay well if you're not going to accept me into this school then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go right down to the red light district and become like a prostitute because that's the only other future that there is for me and when she said that, they were like, okay. And they like accepted yeah. her because she put them in this position of being in a rock and a hard place. And she's, right. to me, just a really good like example of what it means to like to be bold and to break out of whatever assigned position society has has to offer you. Because, you know, usually that assigned position is shit. So <laughs> Yeah, it's usually shit. And yeah. Like with regards to art and stuff, I mean, I know you were talking about how like people were like putting their nose up, like, oh, you have to use acrylic, you have to use oil, why da, 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 da. and it's like, why? Mm-hmm. Why can't we right. just use found materials? Why can't we? Why can't I take this table that this laptop is on, break it into pieces, make it into a canvas, paint on top of it? Like, there is nothing right. stopping you mm-hmm. from doing those sorts of things. It's just somebody else has developed a criteria for, oh, this is fine art, this is not fine art, this is refined. Exactly this is not fine. This is amateur. This is academic art. Mm-hmm. You know, the, right. there's just these <laughs> so stupid <laughs> fucking things that so make funny. no sense. It's so stupid. Yeah. Well, well, to, to that point, like it's, it's a really interesting thing because think about parenting now. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's hilarious because like I, it, and you know, people that are my parents age will probably get angry at this, but they, their generation, had it so good yeah. as parents like yeah you fucking maybe work 40 hours you could buy a house for thirty thousand dollars it's now worth three hundred thousand five hundred thousand you literally like have so much of your life like yo like there is no way in hell that i could go on a 
bender with the job and then come back and they're like, oh shit. There's just a moment where, you know, Barry just found himself under a bottle. So he just disappeared for a couple of weeks. So, or like parents that like, remember that whole, that whole thing about like, hey child, I'm just going to walk outside and go get some bread and then just like peace out. Or like parents that literally would like drop their children off at fire stations. Like, and I get it. It's like their gener- and, and you know, it's funny. Their parents had it even worse. So it's like, yeah as society like yo wasn't it at one point i don't know if this is a categorical truth but at one point people were living to 35 yeah like our world is evolving at such an amazing pace and like the responsibility the burdens that get put on us like we grow up at a lot easier and i know that like children literally at eight years old used to be working in factories so to say that like we had it harder than there it is. I mean, it's it's just relative, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It just matters. Like, but I really the whole thing about it is, is like all that shit about like what's art, what constitute being a good parent, what you're supposed to do based on your life, that was forced on us. And we are just now as a generational society breaking away from that. Like yeah. we're just now saying that, like, okay, maybe even look at like the the parenting construct. Some people are like, hey, I would much rather be separated and parent that way because mm-hmm. you and I are great as parents, but we just don't seem to make it as like partners. So, or like we just don't make it as lovers, but we do better as partners. So it's like all of, I really like to see what's happening. And, you know, all, you know, the best way to know about like what's, what's ahead of you is just to look back. So I'm always looking at like the past and saying like, Jesus. Man. Yeah. Like, thank God I'm yeah. not there. <laughs> Crazy. Right. Like, yeah. like, not to like, mention, holy shit. yeah, the fact that the system has, hasn't, hasn't caught up to the changes, you know, that, that oh we've been God. making, you know? Right. Yeah. So think about that with like art, like, or think about that with anything in life. Like you have all of these like major companies that like are just now having to get their shit together. They should have got it together a long time ago. Like really you had the resources, you had the opportunity, you just selectively chose not to do it. And now the people are dictating the new norm. Like we right now in this moment are creating the new norm. And it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Cause we can be like, look, like, you know, I, I really love the style of dress between like both genders now, like just, or the, whoever signs as what, like, it's just so cool to see like what a madman style of clothing, this was in the sixties. And now what clothing looks like now, like mm-hmm. what was considered a social norm back then and what's considered a social norm now. I love all that shit. Cause I'm like, wow, man, like, the world is just changing at lightning speed. We just don't know it because we're right here. It's like right. the Coriolis effect. We don't know that we're spinning and rotating right now. It's just our own perception of what life is. And I love what's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy how, like, collective thought. And we were, I was talking about this, like, how consciousness and our, um, our perception of the world creates, like, our reality, like, our collective mm-hmm. agreement as a society. I mean, I've, ranted to poor Garrett so many times (laughs) after smoking some weird strains come up to him and been like Garrett did you know that language is fake it's just all decided we all just decided that these sounds mean something (laughs) and he's just like I just got home from work leave me alone (laughs) right um, but it's crazy how and we I feel like we take that for granted but um our reality is created and our society is created by what the majority happens to think or at least what what people in power happen to think or what what becomes convenient for for people in power to stay in power. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And if it, people in power are 
you know, afraid, like, oh shit, like, like it, for example, corporations, they're afraid, oh shit, we're not like woke enough. Like these people are going to turn against us. Like, <laughs> you know, like we are driving their hand and making them move in a more egalitarian direction because right. we have woken up to the fact that like, this isn't okay. anymore. Like this, we cannot right. live this way anymore. Yeah. No, I, I think the really crazy thing about it is, is like with a lot of these places, it's just like, three or four generations of the same people doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that always blows my mind when I'm like, oh, the Waltons have always just had this. So it's mm -hmm. like, what point do they decide to, to change it? Like, where's the new blood at? Like mm -hmm. it, they, it made, it was such a big deal whenever Yahoo brought in Melissa Myers. It's like, oh, this is going to shake things up. And every time shit like that happens, I'm like, it, it took y'all that long to do that. Like that, that's kind of, you know, look, Camilla Harris, like, it was just like, yo, like, why is <laughs> I, I'm all for celebrating the advancement of us entirely. Mm -hmm. it, it, sometimes I'm like, what the fuck? How did it take this long to get? I know. I know. There have been female leaders like in places all over the world. Like for that's a great example. Hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. We're just finally <laughs> catching up. Like, wow. Yeah, and people are like, oh, that's a possibility in 2020. Like, good lord. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck yeah, and gay marriage. You would think, yes. yeah, like that was a big one. What, what was legalized in 2016 or something crazy like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of the things that that's yeah. one of the things that Obama did when he's in office. Yeah. Which is, you know, and like, is it universally gay marriage like across the, the country? Across yeah, it was yeah. a Supreme Court ruling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. oh, beautiful. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought so, but I was like, I was, I was harking back to like Kansas, and I was like, wait. <laughs> Um, but like Kansas is like in denial. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I, and I and I love my city. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this as well. Like to that point, like what's going on with like the legalization of weed? Like these things right. that that I'm telling you that I was like, okay, so. But I guess like you got to know the history of these things and like why they were even the barriers were put in place in the first place. But it just it kills me because I'm like, okay, I get it. There was a political play. There's hemp mobs involved. But once you got the fuck out of there, I think now it's time to say, let's just go ahead and start moving things mm -hmm. forward. Like, well, now it's I didn't even think it was prison system. Now it's like, well, shit, we can't arrest all of these like young black men for smoking weed and put them yep. fucking behind bars for life and then use them. I didn't realize until recently, but a lot of California's um, fire labor force come from prison. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. It's yeah, every yeah, and like no, no, we could we could go down. We could go down so many hole. roads about <laughs> yeah. how how much like what has been done within the prison system and like and really again it goes on to the point that you made about what people have to do to stay in power and the real reason why there's just not an advanced rate of adopt uh, adoption of you know. Uh, collective thought of what we want to like this whole moving into a galaxy society is because there's so much money stock equity so much land involved in the notion of holding people back like mm -hmm. people yeah. make billions off prison billions mm -hmm. so they're not going to willingly be like no we'll just tear this down and make something new like no we're not going to even though like all the money that's been made off weed there's so much of political play or cannabis there's so much of a political play that's involved in it and realistically when you brought up the whole point about you know black people being in, incriminated and jailed that's nothing but fucking 
the war against drugs. Mm-hmm. That's Reagan. That's, that's, that's money. Just, yeah. That's that's Reagan. That shit that Bill Clinton. That shit that Biden. That shit that all mm-hmm. <laughs> that shit that Hillary. All these people like, and I'm sure that like while they signed off on things, they may have willingly or unwillingly been aware of the effects it would have on people like me. But I think it's crazy. Like I got homies that are from Kansas that like caught five, six years of their life in jail, prison for literally having a dime bag of weed yeah. or like think about people that, you know, had Coke whenever Coke was and you know, people sit back and say, it was like such, it's a party drug. It's such a, it's a, it's a rich person's drug, but like a black man gets caught with it. will literally get double, triple the time mm-hmm. that someone that's not black does. And like that shit infuriates me on a level that is just, it's, it's, it's hard for my soul to even contain like how I feel because I think that so much of that shit is just fucked up and like done against us in such horrible ways that, and I don't really even know if we'll fully be able to, society as a whole will never really recognize the effects of what oppression entirely has done on black people. Because mm-hmm. in order to do that, you have to be willing to understand that black people entirely have PTSD and trauma. Yeah. It's just affected, that affects us every single day in ways that people would never know about, yeah. never know yeah. about. Two, I mean, obviously, my, my situation is vastly different. It's vastly different as, like, a lighter-skinned, um, like, Hispanic person. But, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, when we first started talking, like, my family is Cuban-American. And there is so much generational trauma there because they fled mm-hmm. a, essentially, a communist regime. They lost their homes. They lost everything. They lost. They had to start from the bottom um, in a place where they didn't even know the language. And you know, they have passed down those scars. They they have passed down those psychic and physical scars because, mm-hmm. I mean, not me, but, like, my parents were beaten by their parents. And, you mm-hmm. know, they they their parents had PTSD from the whole thing. So that just bleeds out and trickles down into everything else. And, you know, I am the product of that, like, trickle down of generational trauma. And I have my own traumas because of something that happened to my grandparents. Or, and they're great that that's that's an absolute fact and i think that the thing that society needs to understand in that is that like trauma exists and we need to as a collective be more willing to deal with people on an emotional level instead of on a physical level mm-hmm. right yeah. because it's like we spend so much time like it's the whole idea of our biases which were originally there to be like hey I shouldn't go in that area because there could potentially be trouble there. And by that, I mean, like, if you look at a place that's like, you know what I mean? Like you could fall off a fucking cliff or something like your eyes are there for that. People just took that and started using it against people, started weaponizing it against people. They're like, oh, like those young kids are wearing hoodies, which is so fucking stupid. Fuck you, George Zimmerman, like wearing hoodies. So I'm going to go over there and I'm going to take it up on myself to murder a kid in broad daylight. Or someone sits back and says like, oh, there's a kid, rest in peace to me, arise, playing with a fucking Nerf gun, airsoft gun. So a cop, two trained individuals that know how to subdue people or supposedly do pull up and shoot a kid within 30 seconds arriving on scene. And that list just goes on and on and on about all those things. And the thing about it is, it's like that trauma exists within them and they're sit back. They're told these people fit this particular criteria. So when you see them, you should act like this, where it's like, you need to deal with people on an emotional level. They're the, the likelihood of a kid, a child being in like a playground 
playing with a real gun that's nuts yeah like that kid is there just being a child doing the thing and realistically that kid's probably acting on some generational assignments that was given to him like oh boys you know when i was a kid they, that's all we had is like i wanted to get guns yeah and now I, guns, I can't yeah. even do that now because if i do i i could fuck around and get killed yeah and, it, and it's crazy like all those things are forced on them like we literally as society need to pump the fucking brakes take a huge step back and start to learn how we can deal with people on an emotional level not on a physical level yeah and it, it it calls for so much to be able to do that like we literally have to look at every ounce of trauma that our parents our ancestors our collective society has ever went through and said, okay, we need to address the pain mm -hmm. and then say, how can we move forward as a collective, as a collective? Because we cannot, do, like, black people can't do this alone. You know, brown people can't do this. Like, it's literally going to take a societal movement entirely. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a massive lack of empathy in our society. Mm -hmm. And if it's not a lack of empathy, then it, it is just an intolerance of pain. I think if, because at least from what I've noticed in my family, it's like whenever I bring up hard topics, they're like, I know, I don't want to talk about this. This is depressing. This is da, 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 da. Let's just, let's just uh -huh. drink wine. And, uh, you know, it's very like, oh, I can't deal. And that comes from an inability to handle pain and the inability to open your heart and for the pain of others and to uh -huh. really tap into this deep, deep fucking pit of human fucking suffering mm -hmm. right and right it just breaks my heart like and you know i grew up again being light-skinned i had a completely different experience of the world i had no idea what other people went through i had no idea what the black community went through i had no idea what like darker skinned hispanic people went through um mm -hmm. my friend carlina is black and i remember she told me like when you're black, you have a conversation about what to do when a cop approaches you or what to do if you're pulled over or what to do. Da, da, da. And the conversation that she had with her parents is far different from the conversation I had with my parents, you know, and right. it's just it was something that blew my mind at the time. I was just like, how can this happen to people? Mm -hmm. And so many people are still ignorant of that fact. Yeah. And when you talk about ignorant. I, I think it's like true ignorance. Like mm -hmm. they literally they do not know. There's, there's, mm -hmm. th and it's twofold because it goes back to what we talked about on our initial conversation where there's those people that don't know and those people that 100% choose willingly not to know. Yeah. Like yeah. that goes from ignorance to just outright stupidity. Yeah. Because yeah. for anyone, you know, when anytime someone's like, oh, yeah, racism is a real thing, it's like, no, like, I understand from people saying, because, you know, for every single person, I'm always trying to look at like, okay, what the fuck do you mean when you say that? So, and that comes from all walks of like, literally like in Kansas, like we got people that just are not real fans of anyone that does not look like their color there. And they will be very outright with that, but there's still a certain amount of respect that gets done because there were just in so much conversation. They were like, look, man, if you don't fuck with me, you don't have to fuck with me, but like, please move on about your business. So you're really trying to be respectful and still try to have some sense of understanding. So whenever people are like, Oh yeah, this is more of a political play. Yes. Like people right now are more upset about color race sexual orientations uh fucking politics than they ever have and a lot of that is divisively being used against us oh, like i've never seen so many people that care about politics in my entire life right. and it's like 
okay, like who you want to like, but like, understand that we're still people. Yeah. We still got to, most of, like the people you work with that you're around, they have a wide scope of views. The thing that, you know, we should be doing is trying to understand their views because like I told you early on, like, I think one of the best things you can do in life is share your culture. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're getting away from that. We're literally dividing the nation, like, and literally saying that like, Hey, if you support this person, say the fuck out of my purview, which I get on a, I just need to be like, I don't want to deal with that type of energy. Yeah. But when it comes to like us moving forward as a society, we got to sit down and like fucking rap. We got to sit down yeah. and talk. We got to <laughs> figure it out because you brought the whole point up about trauma. You literally have to be able to listen, take in, ascertain someone's trauma before you can literally say, oh, I get your struggle. Yeah. Like you, you had to, you had to look at it and be like, shit, these are things that I've never in my entire life experienced, but hearing it from you makes me put myself in your shoes. And for a moment I can look and see how you could feel affected by the world around you. And we just, we're not doing that. We're literally dividing people at a rate that I've never seen before. And that to me is concerning. I worry about that. Yeah. I worry about yeah. that too. <clears throat> and I think that not only are we, divided but then we also i mean the way that the internet is kind of set up the way that our that socialization is moving towards which tends to be like more online more um you know less physical face-to-face especially now during the freaking pandemic like and who knows how long this will go on who knows how much this will shape like coming generation but there tend to be people tend to just flock to echo chambers they want to hear what they already think they don't want external opinions to come in and ruffle their feathers and make them think about anything else yeah i like that point yeah yeah there's this like really disturbing trend of when you're like really really into the internet really really into like not necessarily like talking people face to face like you can get so so radicalized if you fall in with the wrong people Mm -hmm. um and it's just going to become more and more common in my opinion because um Social media enables it. It's profitable. It's like, super profitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's even if social media tries to take steps to correct it, the, mm-hmm. the reality is that the systems in place allow for those, yeah, like yeah. that radicalization to take place because you have a block function, you yeah. have a mute function, you have this function, like you mm-hmm. can password protect your communities and not let anybody in. Like it's just, it's gatekeeping, but online and mm-hmm. you are, it's, it's, it scares me. It's, it really scares me. And that's why cancel culture scares me as well. Cause it's not only canceling a problematic person, it's also canceling problematic, supposedly problematic opinions. And I think we have a greater degree or at least a greater potential for censorship now mm-hmm. than we have ever had in the past. Yeah. Oh my God. I also think yeah. there's like a flip side to that. While I think that, you know, views and things like that are being like, you know, radicalized, um, these sort like the holes that people go down. The thing is that like, coming back to, you know, your belief, and I mean, all of our beliefs that, you know, people at their core are more like than they are different, like, a lot of these radical groups will use things that everyone in like, as a human being will care about. And they will use their ideology as some type of like, you know, solution to that. People end up disagreeing 
on the surface about so many things because of these groups and because of all the associations that these different things have. But at their core, you know, they are more or less the same, which is why it's so hard to, like you said, Barry, like have um, have people who are like, if you like this person or if you are part of this party, I don't want to speak to you, you know, um, because it's like you talk to a person from that party um, for 15 minutes and you and you find that they have values that more closely align with yours than you would have thought. It's just that they've been fed the red pill and you've been fed the blue pill. Yeah. And, um, and they think that there's a different path to getting to the same solution that both of you want. Right, because everybody wants their family to be safe. Everybody wants enough money to be stable. Everybody wants to feel like this cosmic significance. So they turn to religion or they turn to philosophy or they turn mm -hmm. to whatever the fuck they want. Mm -hmm. um, everybody feels those things because that is fundamentally human. And it's mm -hmm. just, how do you, it, and then the people, people in power just take that and they squeeze it and they turn around and they just like, that's how you have people who are on like Obamacare vote against Obamacare, you know, like that's mm -hmm. how twisted that shit got. Um, there's actually a great book called Hillbilly LG, which kind of explains, right oh my God, it's so good. Real short, real easy read. Oh shit, it's right there. Uh-huh. It's uh, a, essentially an autobiography about somebody who grew up in Appalachia, super, super poor, horrible, like no opportunities whatsoever, like completely neglected, forgotten by society, white man. And he talks about how his family viewed themselves not as welfare people or people on welfare but as just like inconvenienced millionaires kind of thing and there was just like oh, so man. much there was so much cognitive dissonance going on and he talks about mm -hmm. the struggle the drugs the the early deaths the lack of education everything and how he climbed out of it and he eventually mm -hmm. went to Yale I believe and became like an established lawyer Mm -hmm. And um, it's just a fantastic overview of how Trump took hold of these people mm -hmm. um, and how this rich billionaire with access to everything somehow managed to connect with these poor drug addled people who have nothing, who have no opportunities, who have no opportunity of like social climb, you know, like how can this person that is their complete opposite speak to them and lift them out and it's not even necessarily racism it's not even necessary because it's easy to look at a trump supporter and be like you're racist you're sexist you're a piece of shit you're no duh. which you're radicalized yeah you're mm -hmm. radicalized you're, you're radical you're crazy you know it's easy to say that and to just dismiss them mm -hmm. but this book does a great job of explaining how it wasn't necessarily that they were like racism wasn't why they voted for trump yeah, yeah they might have been racist. Yeah, or, you know, we're not going to gloss over that fact. But it wasn't the fact that they were racist that made them vote for Trump. They weren't like, ha, ah, Mexicans, ah, you know. Mm -hmm. They were like, no, like, I feel like this person is speaking to me right now. I have been forgotten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have been, I'm in the post-industrial wasteland of, yeah. like, everything. All the economic opportunities have been sucked out of here. I, my family is mm -hmm. dying. I'm on welfare. Mm -hmm. I feel like shit about myself. I'm on drugs. I can't do shit. And then this person comes in and says, I'm going to bring back jobs. You know what? I'm going to mm -hmm. bring back jobs. Your opportunities. You're going to, we're going to like make America great again. We're going to bring it back to what you remember to the blue collar mm -hmm. America that there once was. And that's what 
made them vote for Trump. I mean, obviously, you have your radicals and your racists and your pieces of shit, whatever. But I feel like the vast majority of people who voted for him felt forgotten and afraid and cold and lonely in some way and left behind. And that's what he tapped into. And that's what he tapped into. And that is what I think a lot of people miss when they mm-hmm. talk about Trump supporters and they talk about the state of the country. It's like, what is it? Ad hominem attacks when you're just like, you're a Trump supporter. You're racist. You just mm-hmm. shut the mm-hmm. fuck down. Mm-hmm. And there's no conversation. Yeah. Or, oh, you you support Obama. Or, oh, you support Bernie. So you must be a crazy socialist. You're a radical. Shut down. Mm-hmm. There's no conversation. I think the really interesting thing, um, so much cool shit to unpack. First, Garrett, like, you know, it's funny because we both have this universe, this idea that, you know, this notion that we are more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. And you, you talked about like on a court of, <laughs> no, it's like literally on a, physiological level like on a biomolecular level yes. we are literally like yeah we're the same you know it's really <laughs> it's it, it it's crazy we had uh recently just did uh like a 23 and me test because i just wanted to see you know i'm black so i my fucking racial history has just been wiped out of history so mm-hmm. i have no idea you brought up this really beautiful story carl about like your family the generations everything knowing that we don't have that so i was like okay what type of black am I? Because, you know, they, there's this word going around now that talks about the diaspora. Like, mm-hmm. we're a collection of all these different countries. But for the most part, like, 80% of black people that are here are from a couple different tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked and I started doing this test. And then, you know, a really cool part, aside from the test, is start telling me, like, how connected I am to other people in my family. And I remember like talking with like my partner about like how blown away by it was that my first cousin, like literally like my dad's sister's kid is only on a DNA level connected to me by 7% of their DNA. Mm. And that blew my mind because as a person that is just more drawn to numbers, I'm always like, oh, yeah, well, if I get, you know, 100%, it's, it's a lot. Like, anything over 80 makes more sense. But I'm like, wait, 7%? Like, if we're talking about a test, that failed, 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 failed. Yeah. Failed. <laughs> so, like, you mean that, like, and what's really even crazy is, like, second and third, it it goes from, like, 9 to 7% down to 3 to 4 These, We're barely even. Like, like, so it's really crazy how people put so much stock into this whole idea of these these colors these archetypes that make us up and we just don't look at the 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 greater good like we literally all are here connected in more ways than we would ever imagine we all for the most part you brought up you know carl the the whole abraham maslow's the hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. we all have this same material things that we do in using that and i know it's a weird connection but jumping over to trump (laughs) <laughs> i think that like you know <laughs> using that and jumping and jumping over to trump but you know what's really like funny about it like whenever i was in high school i was just like that kid that wanted to do sports so i'm like playing you know all the regular high school sports but i'm also in the chess club and did debate and forensics just because i've always had a need to have a lot of perspectives like right now my soul feels so fed just hearing what you both are saying but it's 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 really fucking funny because out these like debate and forensics, we studied great speakers and you 
know who was at the top of the greatest speakers that we were told. Hitler. Fucking Hitler. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Hitler. And like you look and like we studied like on a psychological level what made him be the person he is. And I know that people like and I don't like whenever people do that like, oh Trump's Hitler. No 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 no. Hitler's Hitler. Like that that's it. Like Hitler is Hitler. But if you look at it on the premise of how someone can radicalize people mm-hmm. genius yeah. you you like i literally talk about that with friends all the time it's like man you really gotta give it to trump like genius in the way that he found a way to move completely the fuck away from what obama and any other president before him had did and just completely said i'm gonna be the everyday person going over to the hillbilly uh joint and it was funny because like i literally like right before i turned on the the uh, podcast recording thing that you sent me, I was looking at Netflix and they just dropped a video about it. So it's like whenever you said that, I was like, oh shit, that sounds super familiar. Full circle, and that's like, you know, good omen for how things come connected. Yeah. But like literally, like you look at this and it is the same mechanics on a psychological level that someone uses to create cults. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. appeal, you you always find there's a certain archetype, speaking of personas, full circle, like there's certain <laughs> archetypes that are more likely to fall for that. So mm-hmm. when you look at the, the you know, what America may consider the lowest common denominator of America, because right there for like white people, it's right there with black people too. Remember the whole black people, you have nothing, like what else do you have to lose? And I'm like, somewhere somebody believes this and they right. did. They did. So literally, it's just understanding how to appeal to people and how to demonstrate those character traits that people need and they, they desire, like the, the lack thereof that's in their life and being able to address those. And you very quickly can create a supporter, ally, advocate to a radical. And that's, what, that's where we are. We have more radicals than I've ever known. Like I've yeah. never known so many people to be so up in arms about shit that i'm like wait i was drinking beer at like fucking run down bars with you like 10 years ago and i had no idea this is the person that you are because back then we would have just gotten to like i wouldn't have fucked with you like but they don't they don't even realize that they've done it and that's the genius of it people don't realize what they're doing and i'm like all you have to do is taking a step back and just looking at like people as people and talking about those walls that get put up like oh you're a trump sport you're race blah 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 it's like if you literally go a few layers deep i love the whole idea that you have brought up about like the, those surface level conversations because like i've always told people that like i'm not a surface level person like yeah. literally like i am that person that without the weed and on the weed in a much more extreme level will have a conversation about language how it was developed and why we continue to use it the way we that's that that's a 10 o'clock in the morning conversation yeah, for me. Yeah. Like, hey, what are we doing this for like that is that is my life that is literally my life so i i, I look at those things i'm like man like so many people just don't realize how much they're getting used. They, they just don't. Yeah. They, they just don't realize it's a pawn thing. They just don't realize it because no one cares to be like, oh, I think for any Trump supporter that I could ever meet, because we were just out in Florida right before the election happened. Beautiful place. But it's funny. They really, really, really love him out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. With, I'm from Florida. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> with, with any person, though, I'm like, okay, if you don't like 
this one person, this one group, and it doesn't have to be about politics. It could be anything. Someone could, I've literally spoken with people that were members of Aryan nations and KKK members like, no, can you please tell me why you don't like black people? Like, please, like, or not even black people, just like any person that's not you entirely. Then they give me the, well, you know, the XYZ ABC. And I'm like, but do you believe in that? Like, yeah, all right. And I was like, but why do you believe in that? They'll say it again. I was like, no, no, no. But that part right there about like, there is this whole, you run the world and there's the world is of yours and you're supposed to uphold something. Why do you believe in that? Once you really start, you get three layers deep with anyone to your point, you literally will be like, oh, I care about tradition. I care about humanity. Mm -hmm. I care about people as well. You just put some extra sauce on it that just said that exactly. you don't care about any people except these people. So why do you believe? Like, that Same doesn't even sound right. The Bible, it's like gay marriage. It's like, oh, we'll put a little like tidbit in, in the Bible that like could be misinterpreted in yeah. a certain way so that you can just like hate a whole group of people. And that's something that people either, you know, choose or choose to not do. Yeah, they just it's the sauce. They, yeah. The sauce. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. It's, it's, it's that little piece. Same thing. Cause like, if you, again, coming from the Bible about it, it's like, it wasn't until, I, I was in I was in Bible study when I was in college. And I remember like when I became of thought that was like, wait, wait, wait. So why? Okay. So let's really kind of dig into the Bible. And why, why is, why is this, this whole point about like, God doesn't like people that, you know, are of same sex. That seems weird, right? Yeah. Like I'm just elephant in the room. Does that not seem weird? And I was like, wait, so why women aren't supposed to do any, that, you guys don't think that's weird? Hey, this point about slaves here. It, no one's, yeah, no yeah. one's concerned about yeah, that. Oh, God. Guys, like, guys, like, that's three things. Like, I don't know if I get Oh, wait, 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 wait. So you mean God, what we know of God, or Jesus didn't pin an actual... Wait, wait, wait. You mean this book, there was hundreds of more chapters that aren't in here? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, we start, Jesus is a baby, and then we fast forward to 33 years. Wait, what happened whenever he was doing... Hold on. There's so much shit that's missing out that I'm like, there's no way you can believe this to be 100% certain fact. Yeah. There's, you know, it's, it's, it's if you think about like Immanuel Kant, Aristotle, Socrates, they all, Plato, they all have this universal idea and that's the universal idea of the golden rule. Mm -hmm. If we literally treat others like we want to be treated we'll be okay and people just moved away from that. There was like, we're only going to treat this group like we want them to be treated and everyone else can eat shit. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I can't buy that. I can't, I can't well, buy me that. Neither. Yeah. And like the fact, um, you know, you guys were mentioning, you know, Trump and everything like that. And I was, I was challenging my dad about capitalism recently. Um, and, you know, kind of digging in, like you were saying, asking the further questions to be like, why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? And it, you know, arrives to this point of like, he's like, what's what's the maximum amount if you want to control how much somebody makes because he's taking this as like an infringement on somebody's like freedom if there's like in the existence of like a billionaire or a trillionaire sure. and he's like well well then what's the maximum like what's the maximum wage that you think you know somebody should make where where do you cut people off that's arbitrary you can cut people off anywhere you want and i was like right. well you know we have a minimum wage in order for the good of the people. Like, should we have like a maximum? And I, it was something that was in my head. But then, um, then he sends me like, well, I just believe that in, in this country, you can be anything you want to be, whether you want to be a, um, a, a millionaire, a billionaire, or, or you want to be a drug addict. And, oh, and I'm just like, dead, like, 
nobody wants to be a, to drug, be a drug addict. addict. Right. Like that's the right, thing. Right. Uh, People may love drugs. Right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> they may, like I don't want to be addicted. But to there's it. like the like, misunder the the ticket of misunderstanding where it's like they think this oh is like this is some purposeful thing and but it's also the the thing that um that that unites us is the fact that like Gato, you were saying you know how he appealed to a group of people who felt like disenfranchised millionaires the fact that like the fact is dad that everybody wants to be the first thing that you mentioned and the reason because there are a there's limited resources like you can want to be a millionaire you can want to be a billionaire but like yeah the systems in place as they currently are cards are stacked against you like yeah and there's the accumulation of wealth in very few hands and absolutely yeah well and just it just the fact that like drug addicts are made as a byproduct of like the aforementioned desire you know like absolutely so it's like these drug addicts exist because they failed because they like fell on their face at one point because they didn't feel valued and like people don't want to be millionaires they want to feel valued they want to feel important yeah Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. they they want to feel like i think important and of use to society and like Mm -hmm. feel good about themselves and that what why someone would turn to drugs is because they don't have those things in their life you know so i mean it just comes down to like i don't know you can you can believe people are are as similar to you um as you want but there can be little misunderstandings and like you said barry you know even if you're related to somebody you can only have dna that matches like seven percent so it just goes to show that you also can't just group people together and that everyone is uniquely different, even if they are all the same quote unquote race or all the same yep. group of people. Yeah. You it's can just, it's, it's profile. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a, it's a balance. You And you can't be like, well, if this group of people wants to be, you know, a drug addict, like, yeah. yeah, you know, if, if I'm remembering correctly, there's actually a fantastic book very, I'm sure you would love it. It's called guns, germs, and steel. Oh, you love that book ah, and so i know that book yeah. i've not read it but i know that book it's, i've, it's I've, I've heard that book reference so it basically dismantles this like white supremacist narrative that like due to like superior quote-unquote genes like that's why white people rule the world no fuck that shit yeah. like, it, it but, just, hey like hey everybody are we just not going to address like darwin there yeah, we, like we all talk about like he's a pioneer everything what about eugenics guys remember that the biggest fastest strongest that like people said like oh that's the thing so then we took that whole notion and then we put it into you, this is crazy yeah like <laughs> but yeah it's a great book because it talks about how climate how resources physical resources water food the genetics of the plants around you like the probability that a plant mm-hmm. will evolve in such a way that is beneficial to you the what you can build with um it's just it's incredible like it just blew my mind how it's not like humans are fundamentally the same we're all industrious we all have Mm -hmm. the power and the brain power to make something of ourselves it's just sometimes there are external circumstances that you know um limit us like a group of people living in the sahara you know, living season by season, migrating, are not going to build cities. The people who Mm -hmm. build cities are the ones who have lots of access to water and a Mm -hmm. temperate climate and domesticatable animals. Like, those are the people that are building cities. It's not that they're better. It's that they just happen Mm -hmm. to live somewhere where they have fucking opportunity. 
Um, right. And and I think the go ahead. No, no, no. Finish oh, yeah. that. That's great. And then there's also just um, at least in I took an African archaeology class, which was honestly one of the best classes I've ever taken in my life. It was so fascinating because a lot of the reason why people are like, ah, Africa is underdeveloped and oh, they can't build anything, blah, 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 is because the people who were studying Africa were European archaeologists. They were used to seeing castles. They were used to seeing certain building materials used as a sign of civilization. But in Africa, you don't have the same resources, clearly. So um, they were missing all of the signs of civilization because the the building materials that were used were i guess i don't know perishable is the right word but you know there were yeah, yeah like beautiful <laughs> it's it's bull- it's it's bullshit it it's absolute mud. yeah it was just <laughs> yeah, and so and because of that because of a certain worldview because of a certain limited way at which we define civilization and we define um intelligence that led to an entire fucking narrative this horrible narrative that somehow people in africa or like african civilizations were somehow inferior because of the eurocentric view of it it's just it just blows my fucking mind like it just it's we wouldn't have i mean i'm not here to I, i i just i think so much that is just so much bullshit because it's it's categorical fact i mean you have to look at um all the resources and the wealth, mm-hmm. some of the most that exist out of Africa, the fact that it's the, you know, the fact that, you know, there's thought that they started shrinking Africa on a map because they did not want people to realize mm-hmm. the actual magnitude of the country and what Africa has produced. We wouldn't have algebra. Like, mm-hmm. and I can just run down a mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. of so much of what black people in what is came from africa and you know the funny thing about it is with all that and like i wanted to go down and start to throw some facts out but i just i actually i just i don't like i don't like that part because it's 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 crazy to me because we have forever led people that look not that are not the main people driving history dictate what history is like that that's what's crazy to me is that like every single time we get in these discussions about like, oh yeah, like these people did this and these people did that. And the shit that's so crazy about it is like the people that said who did what are usually the same fucking people. You got one group that's like literally like, oh, everything we did is great and fuck everybody else. And it kills me. It kills me because all you have to do is like a cursory search of any country will show you what these countries have done to help create humanity entirely, to keep them in motion, mm-hmm, to keep yeah. it in motion entirely. But because, you know, we have this one particular group. And again, like, I'm not like a person that's like, oh, like, you know, white people are bad. Like, I don't believe in that at all. I believe that there was one of the greatest concerted efforts ever known to humankind for people to exist and continue to hold on to power and it was done in such an amazing way that it literally changed the world like like black people inside of the united states i think it's like what we're like 14 percent, and like for whatever reason we still get called like people that are black and brown are still called minorities whenever it's like that that shit right there already fucks my head because i'm like wait we're outpacing people are we really like the minority at this point mm-hmm. and like there's you know but if you leave america 
you'll you'll find that like America. I'm, I'm sorry, if you leave America, you'll find that the world is much more melanated than non-melanated. I think it's like I think it's like like 14. It's the reverse. Like 14 percent non-melanated people make up the world. And I'm like, and that may be wrong. So I don't want to be like that's probably wrong. But like the world is just a darker world. And for whatever reason, people just think that like this one group has continued to be able to run dictate and dominate the world and it fucking kills me because it's like literally we all contributed to where we are it literally took a universal effort of people entirely for me to even be to sit here to have this conversation vice versa for us to be able to have this conversation but we just like put so much stock in like oh yeah like white people have always just done more than everyone else has and that's not even remotely considerably it's not even it's not true like it took us all to be able to do this and it's like how the fuck like you know you you look at the people like benjamin banneker and like what benjamin banneker did for like the white house look at open heart surgery look at fucking the the development of the stoplight look at uh the development of the gaming system as we know these are all things that are done by black people and this shit kills me and it's like we will never we don't get every fucking february you know we hear malcolm we hear martin they're great but there are literally so many thousands yeah yeah thousands of thousands and thousands even in art i hear like oh yeah basquiat and it's like basquiat's great for what basquiat as an individual did challenging a white art society that did not want to see a black man advance and literally took art that was unlike any other thing at that time and said it was street art or like gutter art or it's just just stupid man and it's like we cannot we cannot continue to let people that we cannot continue to let that old guard on a uh societal level continue to dictate what what we're doing in this world it it will literally we're going to end up all dying and this shit's going to end up continuing on in the worst way possible if we do not stand up sad and be like no all the shit that you said is wrong it's all wrong and i know like I wish I could have said that in a more beautiful way, but it's just, it really fucks me up whenever I just have to sit back and just like hear how people just think that like only one group made the world the way it is. Yeah, like only like, white old men. That's it. Yeah, Nobody else. Right. White old men. I'm like, fuck everyone else, right? Like they've just, like, what do you think they were doing? Like just sitting on the toilet, like twiddling their thumbs? Like what yeah, the it's fuck? Really, <laughs> it's really yeah. You know, I, and I, I grew up feeling so frustrated by that in a different way because I'm a woman and in school you hear Marie Curie and yep. I'm like racking my brains like Eva Lovely and I'm just like who else like what else in in science like who what other female scientists like, that, that have, did I learn me. about and I I can maybe name like two yeah in the entirety of my school i mean college was different but same with art which is ridiculous like frida kahlo i think is the only one i was ever educated about yeah right i'm like wait like yeah i'm really struggling yeah georgia o'keefe yeah but like i but but that's the shit that kills me it's like you you mean like because i'm of the mindset that like artists have one of the most important jobs of people entirely because like we are charged with being able to document history 
like we are we are charged with it like we have no idea of what happened a long time ago without artists being able to create images create stories create narratives create pictures about all the things that have happened in the past like sure there and, and again just like with everything else we're working in concert with everyone else but our job is very 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 important and you're saying that all the times going back to those cave drawings that y'all can't y'all can't pull up 10 brown women y'all can't pull up you know you you can't pull up 10 black people you can't show me like 10 bisexual homosexual you can't show me trans you can't show me none of that like what the fuck are y'all doing like it's it's a, a, a literal suppression of information <laughs>